today is the Sunday that we are officially commissioning in and welcoming into our staff, Tim Chaddick. Amen. Before we do that, though, before I invite Billy and Chad up and Tim and Lindsay up to, to pray for them, I'm going to take about 10 minutes or so here and just kind of set this up, um, remind us where we came from, how we kind of got here, what's it going to look like over the next several months as we transition Tim in and we transition me over. Uh, if you have no clue what I'm talking about, go watch the update from August 9th. It was called A Plot Twist in Our Story was the name of that update. And I can't encourage you enough to please go listen to that, especially if you go to church here regularly. Um, before we invite them up, I, I just want to answer. So here's how I want to do this. I want to answer three quick questions uh, before we have them come up to pray. Number one, what will change? Okay. Number two, what's going to remain the same as Tim joins our team? And then number three, what uh, the transition will look like, what this transitional period will look like and how that will play out. It's, again, it's going to be brief. If you want the full big thing, please go listen to that update from August 9th. Number one, as a way of reminder, what will change? Well, uh, obviously, Tim is joining our team. That is changing, and that is a good change that we are excited about. There will be a gradual transition for all of the things that I'm about to share that will change, okay? It's going to be a several-month transition, but this is where we are heading. Tim is joining our team. That is happening immediately today. This is his first week, and he will be joining our team as the pastor for preaching and vision. He will eventually be leading our preaching team, something that I do right now in partnership with our preaching team and the elders. He will preach regularly, eventually a little bit more than I have normally preached, Together with the other elders, that's Billy, Chad, and myself, Tim will lead in big picture vision. He will, along with the other elders, help lead and equip the staff. And along with the other elders, will lead and teach equipping classes where we will be able to address cultural things that we can't always address on Sunday mornings. The other thing that will change is my role. If you were here on August 9th or heard that, then you know that we really see this as like a shift of me over, not out. I'm not moving to Idaho or Texas or whatever. Like, I'm here. I'm committed. But my role is, is changing. Um, long term, the plan is for me to stay on staff at, uh, part-time if there is funds to do so. Will there be funds for me to stay on staff part-time? We don't know. But we are making plans as if there will be funds. And part of that plan is uh, a change in my role. A few of you have asked also, hey, Dom, like, what are you going to do for the other half of your income? You know, thank you for your concern. By the way, I didn't know, and recently God uh, dropped something in my lap unexpectedly that I'm really excited about, and so it's pr provided, like, a, a little bit of income on the side for that to all work out. So I'm going to be fine. Praise God. Thank you for praying for me. Um, but my role long-term at the church, as long as I can stay on staff part-time, um, will change a little bit. Um, specifically, I will preach a little bit less eventually. And although I will still contribute to the preaching series vision and uh, the overall church-wide vision, I won't facilitate those things any longer uh, like I have for the last five years. My role will be more focused on leading and facilitating the worship life 
of our church and vision for that along with the elders. I will still be leading some prayer and worship meetings. I will continue to lead musical worship on somewhat of a regular basis. I will be uh, at gatherings here on Sundays, able to pop up on stage like I do sometimes and shepherd moments during worship and all of that. Uh, I, can, I will continue to collaborate with Brian, our worship director, and mentoring our worship leaders and working with our worship songwriters. I will continue to be deeply involved in leading the spiritual like culture, if you will, at Reality Ventura. I will still preach some, and I will be an elder leading together as a team with Billy, Tim, and Chad. So that's what will change. Tim's joining our team, and my role is going to be changing as we transition over the next several months. What will remain the same? Jesus, the senior pastor, will remain the same. Okay? We don't say that to be trite. Uh, Jesus is the senior pastor. He's the chief shepherd of his church. Everything revolves around him. None of that is changing. Next, our leadership model of plurality and team leadership and shared vision that's not changing. Yes, Tim's influence will be obvious across the board, but not at the expense of the rest of the elders' uh, influence. We will continue to lead as a team, collaborating together, uh, with each one of us focusing on our individual spheres of influence and leading in those areas of influence, but still collaborating together in overall vision for the church as we always have. Next thing that will remain the same is our staff. And our elders, the staff's not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Billy and Chad aren't going anywhere. Our staff is here. We are committed. We are simply adding someone to our team. Next thing that will remain the same is uh, the team teaching approach. Okay, we do a team teaching thing here. That's not going to change. It'll look a little bit different, but we're still going to do that. The people that preach here, you'll still hear us preach. Also, we'll still have our weekly preaching meetings in some form, and where we will each be able to speak into every sermon that comes from this pulpit. Next thing that will remain the same is our mission. Our mission to make disciples of all nations starting right here in Ventura County is not changing. That's still our mission. And the next thing that is, or the last thing that is not changing, remain the same, is our DNA. Who we are, our identity as a church, there will be growth for sure. Some things may evolve, but that would happen no matter who was on staff, right? But it's not going to feel like a different church. This is like who we are, the things that are valuable to us, the things that are part of our DNA is reality. Tim is reality through and through. He's cut from the same cloth as I am and Billy and Chad. And, uh, none of that is changing. That will remain the same. Lastly, how will this transition period play out like I mentioned earlier, none of these changes will happen overnight. Starting this week, we will begin a very slow transition of Tim moving in and me shifting over. And this transition will last probably six to nine months is what we have on paper right now. We're going to reassess every couple months to kind of see how stuff is going. That means that for the first several months, I'm just going to remain on staff full time as we're transitioning things. And I will gradually move into part time. We're taking it slow because things like this can be really jarring for everyone involved, right? For the, the new person, for the congregation, for the team, the staff, the elders. It can be really jarring. And nobody in 2020 and 2021 needs another unnecessarily jarring thing, right? If we don't have to do that jarringly, then there is no reason for us to do that. 
But also as we talked with other churches who have done this kind of thing, as we talked with organizations who specialize in this kind of thing, they all recommended that the healthiest and most effective way for us to do this would be to take it very slow, as slow as possible. I'm not going anywhere, so there's no like, you got to just tear off the band-aid, just get it over with, Dominic's moving to Idaho. There's none of that, right? So uh, we desire for it to be as gradual and as seamless and as smooth as possible, as much as we have control of that. So there's going to be four phases to this transition. We hope and pray that you don't notice any of those. We hope and pray that six to nine months from now, you're like, huh, how did we get here? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm noticing. I see different faces. There's like a little bit more of Tim, and there's a little bit less of Dominic on stage. But I, don't, I didn't feel like it was abrupt to get here. That's our goal. But just so you know, behind the scenes, there's going to be a lot of really intentional transition there that's really going to be broken up into like four different phases. So that first phase, Tim will really be observing a lot over the next couple of months. Tim's going to be observing a lot, taking it in, uh, learning the way that things just work, right? Uh, the role of a preaching and vision pastor is generally the same, but every church kind of operates a little bit different. In that, he's going to be meeting with leaders, um, building relationships with staff and others. During phase one, he will be preaching, but not the amount that he'll be preaching like six months from now. He's going to be preaching the same as me at the beginning, which is uh, once every third week. And then I will be just doing business as usual during that time, helping Tim transition with all of that. Then in phase two, Tim will begin to be doing a little bit more things uh, with me in partnership with me. We'll be leading some stuff together. He'll be leading some staff stuff. We'll be co-leading some stuff. He'll start preaching a little bit more. I'll start preaching a little bit less and begin transitioning over into my more uh, long-term role. And then in phases three and four, there will be more of that where he's more and more leading in some real key areas, preaching more. I will continue to move over until we are both in our long-term roles alongside one another and alongside the other elders and staff moving forward. So, yes, there is kingdom movement happening in our leadership at Reality Ventura. And it is an expansion of God's kingdom work, and we want you to catch that church. This is not a subtraction. This is an addition. And that's not a way that we're trying to spin this. We really, really deeply are aware that, wow, God is adding Tim to our team, and I am shifting over. Tim is not replacing me as much as he is joining what God is already doing here. I believe that Tim was like a, a missing piece that we didn't necessarily lack in the last several years, but moving forward, if we didn't have that piece, we would begin to feel and sense that lack significantly. Just like every single one of you and us are an integral part of the body, Tim is an integral and necessary part of this leadership team moving forward if we are to fulfill God's will for us as a church moving forward in the coastlands and in the nations. So Tim and Lindsay and their three beautiful girls have been here already for uh, a couple of months. You've probably seen them on Sundays. They've just been coming, coming to church. They've been settling into a new city. They've joined a community group. Tim has graced us with his wonderful electric guitar presence on some Sundays. Uh, it's been awesome, but today we are officially welcoming Tim to the staff and commissioning him for the work of ministry ahead. So I'd like to invite up Tim and Lindsay and Billy and Chad. You're going to have to clap for a long time because they're walking from far away. 
Don't stop yet. Hi. Hi. I was thinking last night, we all went to Bible college together, okay, 21 years ago. And I would have never guessed in a million years that we would be standing here 21 years later in Ventura, California. My mind is blown. We have pictures. We do have pictures. Turn off your mic. You can't preach yet. <laughs> okay, so here's what we're going to do. Uh, Billy, Chad, and myself are going to pray for Tim. Then we're going to pray for their family and marriage. And then we're going to pray for his ministry. But before we do that, um, I, I wrote something down that as kind of like a, a charge to you guys that I would like to read. I feel like I'm doing like wedding vows at a, a wedding. I'm going to read this so I don't get too emo or screw it up. I'm just going to pause and thank the Lord for a second. God, thank you for this moment. Really humbled and grateful to be in the, <clears throat> in the middle of something so divinely orchestrated. <laughs> Tim and Lindsay, two years ago, you unexpectedly began a sense of call back to California, specifically wondering if God was calling you back to the coastlands. But let's be real. As you thought about the coastlands, you were like, we wouldn't live anywhere else other than beautiful Ventura. True story. But what would you do? Tim, could you pastor and preach here somewhere? You desire to stay in the reality family, but as far as you know, all the reality churches in the coastlands already had preaching and vision pastors. And who would take your position in London? But God was orchestrating it all. Because in that exact same season, our trusted friend Bijan was sensing a call to London, and I was sensing a shift over in my position at Reality Ventura. The problem here was that there were so few humans that we would have ever trusted to come in if I was to move over. To me, it seemed like an impossible thing to ask for. But God, two of my favorite words in the whole Bible, when things seem impossible, but God. Unbeknownst to one another, Bijan began sensing a call to London at the exact same time that you guys were sensing a call out of London to Ventura at the exact same time that I was in Ventura sensing a shift to move over in my position. It's a rare occurrence to see something so complex be so perfectly and effortlessly orchestrated. Only the great conductor himself could have orchestrated and arranged something like this. It is the sovereign work of God that you guys are standing here today. And I think I speak for all of us when I say that my heart is full of gratitude. First of all, gratitude toward God for his provision, but also to you guys for obeying God's call. He brought you here, and he brought you here right now, sovereignly right now in this season, in the middle of this crazy pandemic season where we don't know what tomorrow holds, much less six months from now. He brought you here right now for such a time as this. Tim, Lindsay, Phoebe, Paige, Lily, wherever you guys are, you are a gift from God. 
And we as a church, we as a staff, as elders, we receive you guys as a gift. And we honor you and we honor your call to Jesus and to his church. And so now I charge you in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Tim, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come, brother, when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to shut their own, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, you be watchful in all things, and you endure hardship when it comes, and do the work of an evangelist. Tim, Lindsay, we commission you by the grace of God and the power of his spirit to fulfill your ministry here in the coastlands and subsequently in the nations for the glory of God and the good of all people. Billy and Chad and myself are going to pray for you guys now. We're going to pray for you, Tim, personally, then for your marriage and family, then for your ministry. If you feel comfortable, church, maybe just an extend a hand out as if you could be up on the stage with us laying hands on them. This is a biblical and right thing that we do to lay hands on. Thank you, God, for the way that you've orchestrated this. Thank you for leading us to this moment. We don't take it lightly. We don't take your church lightly. We don't take your kingdom lightly. We don't take the call on our individual lives lightly. We don't take the heavy, weighty responsibility that it is to lead your people and to preach your word to people. We are well aware of the gravity of that. Thank you for Tim. Thank you for his life. Thank you for saving him out of such a dark past. Thank you for redeeming his life and putting a call on his life. I pray for him first, just personally, Lord. As we've been praying for one another for the last decades, we ask that you would secure his identity in you as a son first before anything. I want to pray for him first as a son before we even pray about his ministry, before we even pray about him as a husband or a father. We pray for him as a son. We ask that his identity would be that of being accepted, of being accepted by the beloved, as being in the beloved, as being adopted into your family, as being approved by you. Thank you that you look at him and you say, you're my son. I love you just because before you do anything, before you are anything, I love you just because you are my son. We ask that that would be the foundation from which Tim lives and preaches and ministers and leads. We pray for purity in his life. We pray against the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. We ask that you would keep him humble in you that you would keep him faithful to you, that you would keep his heart and his eyes and his mind fixed on you all the days of his life. 
We pray against the schemes of the enemy in his life. We pray that you would protect him from the lies of the devil, that you would protect, protect him from anything that is outside of your good and perfect will for his own personal life. And we ask, Lord, that his intimacy with you would not be contingent on whether he's preaching or not, that we ask that first, God, he would have a deep, 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 continue, a continued deep, deep relationship with you from which all of that ministry would flow. We pray that ministry would indeed flow from intimacy in his own personal life. Father God, we also, as we pray and acknowledge this special day and this special uh, moment for Reality Ventura, we recognize that it's not just a, a man that you've brought into our family, it is a, a family that you have brought into our family. Father, we thank you for the Chaddocks. We receive them, Father, as a blessing, as a family, God. They are a blessing for Reality Ventura. They're a blessing for that little neighborhood below the college where they live in Ventura, and they're a blessing for all of, of the city of Ventura and the coastlands, and we receive them, God, as a gift from you, as a family, Lord. Pray, God, as we're praying in all these good and right ways for Tim as he takes this leadership role, God, in the same breath, we pray, pray for Tim and Lindsay, this marriage, God. Thank you, Lord, for the testimony of your faithfulness that we see and that we know when we look at and get to know and become acquainted with this marriage. We ask you, Lord, for your blessing upon this marriage. This isn't uh, some, some aberrant season where uh, they're, they're having to work really hard to, to keep things together and commute. and long. This is a time, God, where you've called them to be intimately acquainted with you together as a family. And God, I, I pray, Lord, that they would receive this season of togetherness as a family. God, is a gift from you, and that as Tim ministers and as Lindsay and the girls in their own way connect and minister, God, that they would do so from a place of intimacy as Dom just prayed, intimacy with you. And also, Lord, I ask you that they would be ministering from a place of intimacy with one another, that they would know and receive and enjoy, perhaps even for the first time with kids the age that they are, just ministering from a place of familial intimacy and spending lots of time together. I pray, God, for connection, for friends, for um, fr friends for Tim and Lindsay, also friends for Lily and Phoebe and Paige, God, that you would connect them into the fabric of the city of Ventura and into the coastlands, Lord, for such a time as this, God. We pray, God, that you would, as Dom prayed for protection um, against the schemes of the enemy. For Tim, God, we pray together as a church for protection from the schemes of the enemy that would undermine this marriage, the schemes of Satan that would undermine family connection. We pray against the busyness of marriage kind of superseding the responsibility of loving one another and being mutually submitted one to another in the fear of Christ, God, that they would put their marriage first, that they would not sacrifice marriage on the altar of ministry. I pray, God, that this season, even, even as Tim takes this new role, God, that this would be a season of great joy, of great intimacy, of great protection, of building deep connection with one another as a family. 
And Lord, we pray for fruit, finally, God. Ask you, Jesus, that the fruit of intimacy would be upon this family, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength, God, that they would be people of peace as they go about their business in Ventura, and they would be people of peace as they go in their home as a family. Again, Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we pray for the Chaddock family. In Jesus' name. Yes, Tim and Lindsay, I pray in your ministry at Reality Ventura that you would be like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind as you serve Jesus and his people at Reality Ventura. I pray that you would be filled with all the fullness of God and know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I pray for you specifically, Tim, in your role and calling as pastor-elder of preaching and vision, just as Dom mentioned. As for you, Tim, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, we asked Tim to just share a little word with us. Um, it's not going to be a long word. It'll be a little word. And uh, it'll be a little word, right? <laughs> just kidding. So uh, he's going to ask you to open your Bibles a second, I think, to Mark chapter 3. We're going to receive that, and then uh, he'll lead us into the second set of worship. I love you. I'm happy you're here. This is fun. I love you too, Dom. I'm just super overwhelmed. And I just want to express some encouragement and gratitude. And as Dom said, especially after that charge, I think the best thing I could say is turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 3. <laughs> and I just want to share for a few minutes an encouragement, or I should say rather commitments that you can expect from us uh, moving forward as a community on mission. Let me read the words in Mark chapter 3, verse 13. To 19. Let me pray briefly once more. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. And Jesus went up on the mountain and summoned those whom he himself wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out the demons. And he appointed the twelve, Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, and James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother of James, to which he gave the name Boangers, which means sons of thunder, and Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is God's word. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for the relationship that you have made available to us with and through your son. I pray that you would remind us of this power and this priority 
even now as we begin this new season together. May your Holy Spirit speak to us. We ask in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. Well, on behalf of my, my wife and my kids, I just want to express how thankful we are to you and just to the whole church family. You've all embraced us and blessed us from day one. Even before day one, before we arrived, we were getting messages saying that you were praying for us and just sharing and showing you know, love for us. You welcomed us when we came. You offered us support. Some of you even helped us buy appliances, to which we are very thankful. And a few of you have even given me specific advice on which flannels are most appropriate for <laughs> Ventura County. <laughs> you've been kind to me. You've been kind to my family. And in that, you have shown us grace. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. When I asked my wife, what stands out about Reality Ventura in the few months that we've been here, she immediately said, they really love Jesus. And I could give you no greater encouragement than that. And for this, I'm thankful. But I'm also humbled because I'm aware, as I've communicated to the elders and to the staff, that my wife and I, my family and I, we are stepping into something that we have not helped to build but rather is the fruit of all your labor in the Lord year after year after year from the elders who have led so well and the staff who have served so well. You, the church family, who have lived on mission so well, I am honored and I am humbled to join in this mission together. And so as we begin this season together, I'd like to state just three simple yet totally essential commitments as a part of our team, and it's important that we do for two reasons. First, because these commitments will shape what to expect from the leadership of this church, from our staff, what our priorities will be. As Dom addressed earlier, like what can we expect going forward? It is important for us to communicate our commitments. But the second reason, friends, is that these three commitments are really at the core of what it means to be a Christian. And so if you're joining us today here or even online and you are not yet a Christian, you'll get a short glimpse of what it actually means. And for those of you brothers and sisters who are Christians, I'm calling us all together to embrace these commitments as your own together. We hear these words from the book of Mark, which is the earliest biography of Jesus and in verses 7 through 12, we're given a summary of his work thus far. And what does it show us? It shows us his power, his unique authority seen in his preaching and his healing and his works and his forgiveness. He is the son of God. He is the solution. He is the answer to the human problem. He's the defeater of death, the savior from sin, the healer of our hearts, the only one that we can hope in and trust upon. Amen? But what are we to do with that? What is he calling us to? Here, Jesus appoints his 12 apostles. And it says in verse 13, he called those whom he desired. And what did he desire for them? And for us, there's three points that shape our commitments. And the first commitment that I want to declare to you is this. The commitment to be with Jesus. 
He chose them to be his representatives and messengers to do his work. But the two key words that we absolutely must not miss explains how all of this is going to happen. Two words which, if we ignore them, will lead to a world of anxiety and unrest and misdirection. But two words which, if understood, will enrich and empower and direct our lives like nothing in this world can. And those two words are with Jesus Jesus called them first. Before they ever did anything for Jesus, they were called to be with Jesus. And let me just say, friends, everything good and right that is going to flow from your life, from my life, from our church, will flow from the place of being with Jesus. How is this possible? Because Jesus was crucified, he died, but he didn't stay in the tomb. He rose again on Easter day, ascended into heaven, sent the Holy Spirit into our lives so that all who believe on his name can experience the presence of Jesus wherever they're at and whoever they're with. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so our chief desire should be nearness to God and our chief concern should be for anything that would hinder us. We commit ourselves to an awareness of his presence, an ongoing conversation. Jesus is the life and source of our ministry. Without connectivity to him, our ability to live and to lead will crumble beneath the pressure that we all experience and face in the world now. This means, here's a principle, we are worshipers first and workers second. It's not the other way around. We are worshipers first And so the best commitment leaders can make to a church is first a commitment to being with Jesus. When our relationship with God is unraveled, everything else unravels. But when our relationship with God is is thriving and, and healed, we begin to experience healing in relationship to everything else. To use the phrase that Dom said earlier, one in which which has shaped me ever since I joined the reality family of churches, all ministry flows. From intimacy. We commit ourselves to this. Practically, this means continuing our commitment to prayer and to the Word of God, which has always shaped this church. As as elders, we commit to being people of prayer, to remember that it all begins here, cultivating that nearness with Jesus as a staff, cultivating that nearness with Jesus as a church. That's why there's prayer nights on Tuesday nights, pre-service prayer at 8.15 a.m. You're all welcome to be there. And when Dom led us this morning, when he led us in prayer, he said, before we ask God for things, we're going to remember who he is because we want to enjoy and experience his presence. This also means a continuing commitment to Scripture, for we know Jesus through his word. Jesus himself said that the word of God is even more necessary than our daily food, and so it must be for us. So Scripture will always be at the center of our gatherings, hearing from the word, the center of our lives, so that we might be with him, which is why we have this response time after the sermon. Some of you might be new to reality wondering, why do they do some of their music after the sermon? Because we understand that this is not about religiosity. This is about relationship. We're responding to the word of God by an awareness of his presence with us. It's beautiful. We want to commit to that. And in the book of Acts, when the onlooking public saw the miraculous words and the powerful preaching of the apostles, it was said that they recognized that these are men who had been 
with Jesus. Now, how could they tell what happens when we follow Jesus together as a church and with leaders? Well, the answer leads to the second commitment, to become like Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. We commit to becoming like Jesus. When you hang out long enough with with someone, you change. You become like them for better or for worse. But the result of being with Jesus is becoming more and more like Jesus. Our lives are reorganized around him. This means a change in our character and a change in our, our patterns and practices. He teaches us and shapes godly character within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit takes what is true, makes it real to our hearts, and he steers us away from attitudes and actions that would distract us and deter us from him. He calls us to faith and repentance in him and changes us from the inside out, leading us away from what is harmful and towards what is holy, and we're committing to this together. And even as I say this, amidst all the craziness that we've experienced in 2020, and even at the beginning of this year, I must say that Christ-like character is one of the greatest needs of the church, because I've also known friends in ministry who have fallen away, and it grieves my heart. And when I hear those stories ministers and ministries falling away, I don't look at them and say like, you know, oh, as if I'm above them. I look at them with fear and trembling and say, Lord, but for the grace of God, I'd go in the same direction. So would you shape godly character in us all? And commit to these these practices. Here we see Jesus. He has these priorities. He's on the mountain. He's praying. He's gathering his disciples together. He's preaching his word. That's why we commit ourselves to these practices. Like gathering together in person and online. As my friend often says, the church is like a spiritual gym. And we're here, and God is working in us and through us. We commit to our community groups, to our, our prayer meetings, these regular gatherings. And we need to be reminded of that in this new year because when life gets hard, usually the church stuff is the first to go when it should be the first thing we take up. And we're committing to this together. Look, so I'm I'm saying this. I cannot promise you that, you know, our gatherings are always going to be super exciting. You know, we're probably not going to have any lasers or anything like that. You know, our sermons are not always going to be amazing. The people around you may not be what you immediately pictured when you thought of community, but I promise you this, we will lift up the name of Jesus together. We will continue to commit to these practices to which Jesus made a promise to prayer and to preaching, opening and hearing the word of God. We will be changed. We will learn from him and we will become like him. Amen. And the stakes are high because other people need to know. And that leads to the last commitment, is to live for Jesus, to be with him, to become like him, to live for him. What about the world? What about Ventura County? Well, Jesus in verse 14 sent them out to preach. He sent them out on mission. Because we remember that being a disciple does not mean that Jesus is only Lord and Savior of a part of our life, but the whole of our life. That we might share and show the good news to the people around us. Christ's love is meant to be displayed in our love, not just for each other, but for the world. His love sends us out on to mission. And so we're committed to this mission, to be equipping our church for this mission, to be mindful, to be aware, to be praying into God. What would it look like 
for Ventura County to be changed by the kingdom of God? What would it look like for Ventura County to have Jesus as its king? It should be the thought on our minds and the prayers on our lips. But even as I say that, some of you, might, like me, might be feeling the weight of this all, like, wow, that, that's a lot. And I fail at this often when I have to agree with you, me too. But I take comfort in this little circle around Jesus here in Mark chapter 3. This inner circle was not a perfect circle. For I find the name of a man named Peter who knew this feeling well. Because Peter, as many of you know, after following Jesus for three years, famously denied Jesus three times. He failed. And yet Peter goes on to be a key leader of this whole mission, even writing two books of the New Testament. How? Because even though he gave up on Jesus, Jesus never gave up on him. And friends, this is the truth that we, that we land on. His relationship was not built on how well he loved God, but how well God loved him. Friends, that's why we can get up here and, and speak with confidence, not because of who we are, but because who God is. Not because of how great our love is, but how great God's love is for us. The cross of Jesus Christ means that our forgiveness is already secured, and we simply are called to receive it and rely upon it for all of life in ministry. Knowing what Jesus Christ did for me is what makes me want to live for him. And that's the message that's always been declared in this church. And that's the message that we're going to continue to declare in this church. And as we now respond in worship in a moment, a question that I've been wrestling with, I want you to wrestle with. Can others tell that I've been with Jesus? As we're entering into this new season as a church and this new year and all that it brings, we must ask, can others tell that we've been with Jesus? Some of you have not yet decided to follow Jesus. And today, I give you the invitation. If you want to know that you are forgiven, if you want to know that you are accepted by God, if you want to know that it won't be the grave and that's it and then eternal separation from God for all eternity, if you want to know that you have life with God and be forgiven and assured, then I'm calling you to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, dear friend. Trust in him. Today is the day of salvation. For those of you who have drifted, who have fallen away, or maybe are following but at a distance, Jesus Christ calls you near. He desires to be with you. And today he calls you near. He doesn't push you away. He pursues you. Draw near. And for those of you who are near, stay near. Let's not let our love grow cold. What Jesus wants is for you to be with him, for him to be your source of joy, life, and peace, because the greatest gift that he could ever give you is the gift of himself. This is the heart of Christianity, the heart of the gospel. It's all found in this invitation to be with Jesus, made possible through his death on the cross for all of your sins, and his resurrection life offered to you today. And so I say this now, and may we say it forever, our commitment to Christ is based on his commitment to us. That's what it's all about, friends. And as we pray now, let's renew our commitment to him together in light of what he's done for us. Let's just bow our heads even now. 
as we pray. And for those of you who have not yet accepted Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I pray that even now in this moment that you would. And that you would not just be listening to me pray, but that you would say a prayer of your own in this moment. Whether you're here in the parking lot, you're watching online, just say, Jesus, save me. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again to give me new life. I trust in you. I'm not going to save myself. I never could. And with that, we all pray together, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have made this way for us so that we would not be lost for eternity, separated in hell, but with you forever. Father, I pray that in this next season as a church, that we would endeavor to be near you, to become like you, and to live for you by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I pray that we would experience the miraculous in our lives. I pray that we would experience the power of your kingdom in a year in which hope seems to be gone. May the hope of the name of Jesus Christ rise. May the name of Jesus Christ be lifted up. May the name of Jesus be the most talked about name in Ventura County and beyond. May we be people who gossip the gospel wherever we go. May it be so, Lord, by the power of your spirit. Draw us near. Bring healing to our lives. And may we display that in the way that we live. We say we love you because you first loved us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Friends, we have this moment right now, this sacred moment, where we don't just switch off, turn on our phones, and kind of move on to the next thing but where we declare, Jesus, you are the central thing in my life. And we want to express that through song. This is our response. If you need prayer, there are men and women in the green shirts by the signs to, on both sides of the parking lot. And I would encourage you to get up and to come and to ask for prayer. Ask for a greater nearness and power in your life, healing in your life. If you just received Jesus right now and you want to make that declaration, go and pray with them. Say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. Can you pray for me? We'd love to pray for you. Friends, right now, let us respond to the God who has given everything for us. Amen? Let's do that now.